Hello and welcome to The Book Album, your place for everything related to reading and language. I'm your host, Mackenzie Gens. Now, bookmark that book and let's begin. Hello, hello, and welcome to Parting the Atlantic. Welcome, John. Hello, I, 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 I am back. I was just recording like two days ago and I'm already back and I feel like I'm gonna make a good presence on the podcast. You're a regular. Yeah. You're becoming a professional. As one does. All right, so today we have something different that we're throwing at y'all. We're taking a small detour from, well, I guess a large detour, like chronologically, (laughs) from Genesis. Um, We're looking at Proverbs 25 today. And I've been reading Proverbs in my own, like, Bible study. I've been reading one every day. Um, Sometimes, as in in the last week or so, I've had more trouble reading it. So I'm hoping that this episode kind of gets me fired up again on Proverbs. Um, and yeah, I've been reading second or f- sorry, first Kings in a separate Bible study as well. So, um, first Kings is like the historical perspective of the life of Solomon as a king. And then, um, Solomon, once he gains wisdom from God, writes these Proverbs. So he, Solomon is like a very prominent figure in the Proverbs. And we are coming chronologically in Proverbs off of a bunch of sayings. So like, do not envy the wicked, wisdom equals understanding, and knowledge equals good, um, a good house. And, you know, there's sort of all of these sayings. There's 30 of them. They come from Solomon. And the sayings are essentially like little bite-sized, like fun-sized candy chunks of all of the wisdom that Proverbs has to offer, but they're kind of in these like little witty sayings as opposed to being spread out and clunched, clunked, clunked, or clunched, cinched, cinched is what I want to say, cinched together (laughs) Um, in like a bunch of random verses. You have not read Proverbs before, John. Not, I mean, I've read Proverbs... (laughs) in the sense that like I've heard it preached about and like I've heard verses in church but no I don't I don't think I've ever gone through and just like read a chapter of Proverbs at all what did you think of this chapter I what I wasn't expecting it to to be so like it like for the teachings to be so short um it it, it in some ways it kind of reminds me of a psalm in how it's set up like, 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 you kind of have, like, the four-line or four-verse chunks, kind of. Or, like, you know, like, a lot of these are, like, two verses with four lines total. Or, like, there's a few that's, like, one verse with five or six. Two verses or three verses with six or eight. So, um, yeah, it, it's it's more broken up. That I mean, my impression is that it's, like, it's all generally of the same subject matter. But it's just kind of, like, jumping around to different things in that subject matter and it seems like it kind of moves through different topics relatively quickly yeah there's a lot of repetition yeah like the thing about the wayward wife um 
Was it the wayward wife or was yeah, the, the quarrelsome wife? The quarrelsome wives, yeah. The wayward woman is another big theme. Um, so, you know, like prostitutes or other people who are not faithful. Um, and yeah, like money is a big theme. Debt is a big theme. And it reminds me that the reason why I started watching, or sorry, not watching, reading Proverbs is because of Dave Ramsey. Because we're doing that finance course together, and he was quoting a lot from Proverbs. Yeah, I was surprised how how much about debt there is in Proverbs, and then like hearing that applied to modern day financial planning and you know wealth and money and and specifically debt. I, I that, yeah. that wasn't something that I. I guess I'm not surprised, knowing what I know about Christianity and the Bible and faith, but I guess it just never occurred to me that debt would be such an explicit recurring theme. Yeah, I feel like um, there's something about debt here as well. Yeah. Well, shall we dive into it? Yes. You can pick a place to start with. Um, well, let's start with, uh, verse two, the very first, very first teaching. Um, I guess two and three. So if, if, if our listeners are curious, it is the glory of God to conceal a matter, to search out a matter is the glory of kings. As the heavens are high and the earth is deep, so the hearts of kings are unsearchable. This, uh, this reminded me a lot of Job, actually. Um, I, I think Job is one of the books that I'm more familiar with. Um, especially considering mm-hmm. the Old Testament. Um, and it's one that I've taken a lot from. And the the general theme, um, I think, of Job is to remember that the things that happen in life uh, oftentimes are knowable only to God. And, like, especially, like, when we were thinking about why do, you know, bad things happen to good people? Why do good things happen to bad people? Like, you know, why, why do evil people get to, you know, live longer, experience more wealth and fame, and, and plug in whatever question you want to, um, and, you know, sometimes you can come to an answer, sometimes the only answer is that's not for us to know, at least not while we're, you know, on this earth as, as humans, and... Or maybe not ever. May, maybe not ever, yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I guess we really can't say, but... And, that's one of the, like, most frustrating things for me, I think, is just to, like, kind of recognize my own not insignificance but my own like position in the state of the or the scope of the universe and just to think like I am not supposed to know everything and I can't know everything yeah. and that is immensely frustrating to me <laughs> anyway sorry I cut you off no it's fine I, you know, it's, it's always crazy to me to think about like how big and grand the earth is and how insignificant like a single person is in the grand scheme of things but then again to turn around and to know how tiny the earth is in respect to the solar system to the galaxy to the universe you know like our sun is insignificant in the grand scheme of the universe so certainly um in the grand scheme of a higher power that is above all of that you know that 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 effect just is compounded but yes we digress um, yeah, I, I, I think when I read verse two specifically at first, uh, like I was 
kind of provoked some thought. You know, the glory of God is to conceal a matter. And I was like, well, you know, why would we look at God wanting to hide things? But, um, yeah, I, I think at least my initial kind of response to that is to just view it from the Job point of view, where, you know, may, maybe God conceals a matter just in that, like, there's only so much that humans are capable of knowing and there's only so much that you know like capacity that god created us with kind of like how we discussed um adam and eve last time with the with the tr- um, tree of the knowledge of good and evil you know kind of the the, mm-hmm. the more that we know as humans um kind of i i guess the worse it is i i i don't know but the more effect we feel often negatively from from being able to know more and do more and kind of setting out for the heavens and you know trying to really know and control everything can often prove a downfall right yeah it's um it's tricky right because on the one hand i always think about thought limiting beliefs where like you're like you kind of keep digging deeper like why 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 and then at a certain point like the answer just becomes you know, it's not, it's no longer useful to think yeah. that deep about something, you know? So it's like, there's a lot of things like about free will, for example, where like I've gone down the rabbit hole before of Calvinism, which is like, you know, like to what extent does uh, predestination exist? Um, you know, and like ultimately like doesn't matter Yeah. <laughs> because even if, if things were predestined, then we would never know, you know, like even the thoughts about predestination and thoughts that question predestination would be predestined. Yeah. So there's kind of like, it's so tautological that there's just like, there's, it's almost useless to kind of go down that rabbit hole unless it's for your own, like, I don't know, your own like pleasure. Yeah, like your own like intellectual satisfaction kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, and so that's the hard part for me sometimes is because I think, like, there are a lot of things about God that I will never know. So I just kind of, like, I have to, like, I guess this is, like, something that I, like, struggled with a lot when I was going through the process of getting baptized, which was, like, how do doubt, how, what like, what role does doubt play in spirituality? Um... And I concluded that doubt was an essential part to spirituality because doubt leads you to ask the best questions and the yeah. questions that kind of make your heart the most, that, that kind of make your heart the most longing or that give you the most sense of fear about religion and about faith um, and about trust. Like I think ultimately like religion or like, the act of belief is an act of trust. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was that was a tangent, but I think yeah, it is interesting that like it's a reminder, almost not a teaching in that sense to me that like there are things that God conceals, but that's not the point. You know, you know, the point is like the relationship at the end of the day. Any verses that you? took well that's sent out to you initially well 
I wanted to actually ask you about this like relationship between God and the glory of kings and like you know how the hearts of kings are unsearchable in verse 3 and like you know Solomon is a king and Solomon is the one writing this his like speech is being reported from a group of men and we know from first kings that Solomon um, after he is uh, granted wisdom from God he is one of the most sought after kind of like orators of his time um, and people come from all around the world to see him speak especially about nature and about mor- morality and everything um, so yeah I'm just kind of I have I've struggled I guess in first kings to think about like what does it mean to be a king in modern day life? Like, are we supposed to be under kings? Or is like, you know, like, what is the role of a king in a world where there are no kings? Um, I think it could be equally important to ask, like, what's the role of a president? I think in... in, in when I was taking um, comparative government in high school, uh, I, I need to remember the exact phrasing. It's like, we went over, I think, the head of government versus head of state. And I, I guess if, if I flip-flop these, these terms, I'll, I'll probably hear about it eventually, but it's like, like, the person that leads, like, practically, that leads, you know, day-to-day operations of um, the government, like, you know, the UK has the prime minister, Versus, like, mm-hmm. the royal family, which is more just kind of like a figurehead. And um, I think, like, looking back at what it means to, you know, have a king at the time that the Bible's being written, that the, the king is, it's, I think, in many ways kind of serves both roles. Where, yes, you're, like, the representative, like, the top representative of your government, but, like, you also oversee things. And I think in, in, in many ways, like for example, like when we look at the US today and we see like, you know, the president of the US, you can equally ask like, what is the role of the US president? What is the role of the US government? What is the role of like, you know, a sheriff or a governor or fill in the blank? And I, I don't think it really matters to consider kings specifically more in just looking at how people use their power, how people abuse their power, and what role that plays in them following faith. I think in like in, in, in many ways and I think, you know, without necessarily necessarily restriction on like time period or political party or whatever we, we've seen a lot of times in like in the US for example where like we've had leaders that are kind of doing the same thing that this first warns us against and you know that that you know really are trying to know everything and like kind of have a hand everywhere and yeah I you know I mean I I think you can sit down from like a kind of a like a political perspective for example and like you can see why it makes sense but at the same time like there there are times where this can go wrong when this can like lead to more harm than it does good um so i you know i i think there's there's 
kind of importance in kind of recognizing that and recognizing where the power of a single country, for example, might be better used than just kind of brute forcing one set of opinions, for example, or one set of desires to know something or have something or control something. And of course, this doesn't only apply to the US. There are plenty of other examples and time periods, etc. But yeah, I, I think just looking at you know, I maybe like the claim of like playing God in a sense of really trying to nitpick and control to an excessive degree. I think it's important to recognize where that is and is not helpful and to know where we can't meddle with the world or with our space or our creation as much as we might like. Yeah, but I actually want to... Um like nitpick or like not nitpick but like challenge what you're saying because in the text it says to search out a matter is the glory of kings you know as like and then verse three as the heavens are high and the earth is deep so the hearts of kings are unsearchable so it's kind of like this like uplifting of kings um and like we see that over and over again like the king is like there is a part in like Proverbs 23 or 24 when it was like you know like the um, the like good great graces of a, an honest and true king are like wine like sweet wine or like honey um, or something like this like talking about like how kings essentially like ha- do have this kind of like divine providence um and I, I don't know, I think, like, yes, it's important to remember that there should be checks and balances on power, and that, like, you know, people do use and abuse power in ways that are selfish. However, like, I, I just, like, I do get stuck on this, like, lauding of kings. Um, and I, I don't know, I've almost come to the conclusion that it's not talking about leaders, in the sense of like world leaders but it's talking more about um i don't know like almost like uh an individual nowadays at least and sort of individual representation of kings where like you know the king back then used to be a big religious religious leader or religious figures against you know as like along with the pope i guess um when you know, the Pope wasn't stated, but, like, it, yeah, it seems to me that, like, we kind of all have our own kings, if that makes sense, and we can be our own kings at point. I think it's also interesting to consider how we're approaching the word glory here. Um, so, for example, to say, like, the glory of God is to conceal a matter, a big part of, I think, why we worship God and why we you know, glorify God, it's because God is, you know, I I think many people argue at least the source of life and the source of truth and is the basic essential essential matter that makes life meaningful and makes life good. And that is worth being praised and that is worth like actively going out and, you know, appreciating and loving and being kindness enough versus the glory of kings. Like, 
you know, like the U.S. might tell you that, like, you know, the great thing about us is that we defend world peace. And so, like, our glory is to go out and to find places where there isn't peace and to step in and correct it. And Mm -hmm. sometimes that goes really, really well. Sometimes that falls really, really flat. Okay, when has that gone well, John? (laughs) Um, The world wars. I think you could argue about one more, ultimately. Um, Uh, Yeah, yeah. For sure. You know, like, 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 yes, it's the glory of kings, but, like, at the same time, it's the glory of kings in that... The, that's, you know, that that's, like, kind of where the kings find glory, and that's where, like, you know, that's kind of what kings use to get to be able to be praised. And I think that it's a different type of glory. It, it's, it's more refutable. It's, it's not as flawless. Um, yeah. I don't know. What do you think about that? I mean, do you kind of equate glories here? Like, do you think that distinction is valid or? No, I think that distinction is valid. I'm guessing that the Hebrew words that were used here are two different words for glory. Yeah. That we just don't have that, like, um, distinction in English. Um, like, for example, like the word God in the Bible, there's like a million ways to say God. Yeah. In the original. Yeah. Um, language, but we just don't have those distinctions. Yeah. So I'm, I, I guess I'm also kind of interested what version of God we have here. Like, do we have, like, God as the all-loving God? Especially since you were um, kind of correlating this view of God to the God, view of God in Job, which is kind of this, like, Old Testament God versus the, like, all-loving, all-sacrificing, all-caring New Testament God that's kind of posited. Um yeah, I don't know. I think I've been thinking about that a lot too lately. This kind of like a lot of biblical teachings will pinion the Old Testament God and the New Testament God together and compare them directly and say they're not very similar. <laughs> um, but I actually, you know, I think there's like a great degree of overlap between them. And I think Proverbs is a wonderful place to observe that overlap between the Old Testament idea of God and the New Testament idea of him. Yeah. Um, What do you think about this, like, individual notion of being your own king or having your own king? Yeah, I I think my thought is how we apply that to sinfulness I think it yeah I think in many ways like, like, like we can the way that I'm perceiving it is to look at it in terms of kind of what drives us and like where our priorities are you know in, in that like yeah. you know for example if you have like a gluttonous person and you know you can kind of sit down oh, we've got a verse for that Yes, we do. But, you know, you have, like, a gluttonous person, right? Yeah. Who is kind of... I don't want to say the king of gluttony, but, like, I think in that sense, and, like, in the same sense as, like, you know, we're kind of questioning here, like, is it a good thing for a king to find glory in searching out matters? Like, where does it become a bad thing? Where's the overlap? I think in the same way, like, kind of where is a... You know, to what amount is, like, enjoying food good? 
when does that become a problem? And kind of having the、yeah. king, same kind of metaphor here, just kind of defining a more personal matter. And I mean, again, that can be applied in a variety of things. But yeah, that that that's my first that's my first reaction to it, like the 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 lens that I put on it. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you just need a king to tell you, "Cut the baby in half" if you can't decide whose it is. Yeah. Um. I I do want to bring up that verse, the gluttony verse. Okay.、Um, and there's kind of like a parallel here.、Um, verses sixteen through seventeen and twenty-seven through twenty-eight.、Um, if you find honey, eat just enough. Too much of it, and you will vomit. Seldom set foot in your neighbor's house. Too much of you, and they will hate you. And then twenty-seven and twenty-eight. It is not good to eat too much honey, nor is it honorable to search out matters that are too deep. Like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. So yeah, I don't know. I think I found like obviously the honey correlation and the gluttony kind of you know being moderate, being self-disciplined.、Um, And yeah, so I think ultimately, like these are all about self-discipline. These are all about kind of taking care of your own house first.、Um, all about like being more giving than、uh, receiving of things. And then, I like I think in verse twenty-seven, like not searching out matters that are too deep. That could also correlate to verses two and three that we were just talking about. Not kind of. Taking things too far with our inquiries that God is concealing from us. <laughs> <Yeah> . But <laughs> what do you think about that?、Um, one of one of the favorite classes that I've taken in college、uh, is actually from from one of、uh, our 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 favorite professors between the two of us,、uh, Richard Kiefer.、Uh, the, the the very first class of his that I took. Was about martyrdom and Christianity, and we like looked through a lot of stories of saints that were martyred、um, and later canonized for their martyrdom.、Um, and there were、yeah. a lot of them where you had like someone that is you know rich or born into a wealthy family that decides one day to give up all of their possessions and go live in the jungle basically, and just you know like live. With rags and whatever food they can, they can hunt for the day. And one of the discussions that we had was, you know, like if if we are called today to give everything to God and to give ourselves completely to God, what does that mean for us? And what does it mean to、yeah. give up everything? You know, are we supposed to do the same thing, where we sell everything that we have and just go and you、yeah. know serve the poor and like. You know, kind of live basically with rags, or like you know, is there a certain amount of comfort that comes with it, and like, is there a certain amount of, like you know, you know, to kind of have a house and live comfortably, and then on top of that, you know, not using expendable income on like, you know, your third, like, I don't know, your third Porsche and a private jet, but instead like, looking at how can I give this to to the poor. And I think that、yeah. verse sixteen really reminds me of that. Like, correct me if I'm wrong about yeah, this, but honey is like, especially at the time, it it takes so much to produce. Like, it takes bees so、yeah. long and so much energy to create 
even just a teeny teaspoon of honey that yeah you know now now that kind of food is so commercialized it's so much easier to make it it's one thing but looking back when the bible was written it was so valuable and it's like to have honey is to be rich because you can have bees dedicated specifically to this reef so like you know do we want to kind of take that message of like you know it's not a bad thing necessarily to to be comfortable but you know don't just you know again don't sit buying three four or five porsches and you know three private jets and flying around the world for no reason and kind of where's that balance what is it you know again what does it mean to to have too much and to 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 you know maybe we can equate vomiting to being punished by god or something because you're flying around too much privately but is this a um, personal metaphor john yeah that 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 that, 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 that occurred, you don't want to get to the point that 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 occurred to me at one point um but in my defense i do not i i may fly planes i do not own any so I, I like to think that I am exempt from my metaphor, but hey, may, may, maybe if someone has an argument against now, me. But... Yeah. <laughs> may, may, may... I think, yeah, I... go for it. <laughs> if, we, if I buy a plane one day, you can point me right back to what I said here, and I'll, I'll, I'll go and sell it and get rid yeah. of it. What do you mean if you buy a plane? If we buy a plane one <laughs> if we day, buy... sir... You're, yeah. you're getting somewhere. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, I think um, I, I agree with you. There is that kind of like self-check of like vomiting. <laughs> um, but I do think it is a message about contentment and kind of like the minimalists always say contentment is being alone in an empty room and being just okay with that like being being filled and being full and like fully self-accepting and everything and kind of content in an empty room like as in you don't need anything you don't need status or nice clothing or furniture or whatever it is to feel that your life is worthy and valuable and that you are worthy and valuable yeah and I think there's a similar messaging going on here you know where like a wisdom is a lot about searching for it and working for it um in proverbs like as proverbs introduces it it is a lot about those things about kind of the work behind wisdom however um there's also a beautiful like system of messaging about how to receive wisdom from proverbs um and i i do find this to be correlated with that as well where if you find honey as in if you find wisdom if you find knowledge and beauty in the world don't oversatiate yourself just because you found a good thing you know like I think that's part of wisdom is like recognizing what you have and saving some for later yeah (laughs) and always having like you know I feel like a big thing that I've taken away from Proverbs is like always listen to wisdom always like 
be in the mindset to acquire more wisdom and like without like judgment without um, your own personal baggage getting in the way um, but also always kind of never like never be satiated never like take in so much wisdom that you are not willing or ready or able to accept more wisdom the next day like never satiate that curiosity that want for more wisdom more knowledge more cultivation um and ultimately i think that's a really really valuable lesson and the way that it's posited here as we've kind of gotten to with like this rich discussion about it um is is a really it's one that's full of depth I, I am curious how, like, that continued pursuit for knowledge, again, plays into where we started with Job and, like, like how to... I guess that's kind of where the vomiting comes in, of, like, you know, just, like, at some point, no matter how you go about it, maybe you can still get too much knowledge and, and, and hit that point as with honey. Mm. Certainly a thought. Um, yeah. I think, I mean, that could kind of play in a bit to twenty seven, uh, verse 27 uh, that you mentioned. Um, it is not good to eat too much honey, nor is it honorable to search out matters that are too deep. So perhaps yeah. it, it's kind of, how do you feel about, like, putting a claim on searching wisdom, but, like, the right specific kind of wisdom and not wisdom that becomes too much? Does that, does that feel right, or... Is there a balance to set there? Yeah, it feels like... Because, like, what is wisdom, first of all? Um, to me, wisdom is, like, life experience that you learn without living. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, there is a lot about, like, where do you find wisdom? Where do you get wisdom? Like, who gives you wisdom? And I think, you know sometimes like we're mistaken in the places that we think wisdom is lurking but it's not you know sometimes we think like I don't know I I, like will do the age-old now analogy of like someone online who sees something bright and shiny some influencer or someone who's got rich quick and they kind of see that and see their success and their kind of like materialism as wisdom um but honestly there's nothing deep about (laughs) what they've done you know it's an illusion so yeah I, I don't know I think I agree but yeah I would kind of further that to say like sometimes it's not like the type of wisdom that you're seeking but rather who that wisdom is coming from yeah yeah any last thoughts before we wrap up here um yeah i, I think that the, the one we could certainly go into a whole conversation about this i'm sure we will at some point but um also tower of babel genesis 11 how that plays into the glory of kings and trying to know too much um I I think maybe maybe something of a little more time we could have a nice long discussion about, but um, I think also something that when we get to 
Genesis 11. Yeah. Sorry to... Genesis sorry. 11. When we get to Genesis 11, we can talk about that. Yeah. I, I guess that's the last fun thing. What do you think about the wayward, the, the quarrelsome wife? Yeah. I think <laughs> What is a quarrelsome wife, John? How gender is portrayed in the Bible is something that I can go on about for a long time. So I'll I'll try not to go down the rabbit hole, but um, I think it's important to consider the context of this title and what it like what it meant to be a wife at the time and how that's changed, um, and how we should understand verses like like you know verse twenty four better live on a corner of the roof than share a house with a quarrelsome wife um i think it's important to just like keep the context of where that is coming from in mind and make sure that we have you know like we're considering that when we apply this verse um yeah then that would be misconstrued and kind of apply it to where we are today to better understand how we're approaching it yeah so what would, like, the modern-day equivalent of a quarrelsome spouse be? I mean, Using I, so, very so, little, like, context. Yeah, so I, I, I will preface this by saying that this is very much like an initial impression. Um, it's just kind of a button, like a splattering of thoughts that I'm kind of coming up with. Uh, so by no means is this very thought-out or formed. But um, I think to consider you know, like at the time to consider what it meant to have a quarrelsome wife is to like to be in a position of power over this person and to receive pushback from them. Um, mm. And I, 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 I think, you know, that recontextualization kind of really packs a lot into this verse. Um, and to, you need know, to kind of say it's better to just kind of have a small minimum amount for yourself than to be in a space where you're having someone like pushing up against you. Um, and I think there, there, there's different ways to approach that idea. Um, but I, I think one that is worth noting is to consider for example like if you have someone that like like someone for example who's like trying to push you away from god or trying to 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 you know kind of mm-hmm. knock god off yeah interesting and you know what because the, the i mean that this chapter does mention like what four verses before um if your enemy is hungry give him food Eating to eat enemy. yeah um so, you know, maybe, maybe we can look at this through, you know, a concept of what it means to treat, to deal with an enemy. And maybe it's, you know, to point and say it's better to, you know, kind of be off in the corner with, with bare necessities rather than, than to share space with someone that's going to challenge your basic worth and question God and in meaningless unnecessary ways yeah yeah I think that's a really intuitive 
understanding of this last point. Well, let's uh, pledge not to be quarrelsome spouses then. Yes, I, I can do that. Agreeable this. <laughs> yeah. 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 All right. All Any right, last man. thoughts, my love? Uh, can't wait for Genesis 11. What can I say? <laughs> I've I never read that um, I, I, I think that story before. Tower so. of Babel is fascinating. And I, I'm sure we'll have, I'm sure we'll both have plenty to say about that, so. Yeah. We'll I wonder come. if this is something that I have, like, read before, but. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think so. Anyway, I love you. I love you. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your evening. Oh, yeah. I'm about, well, sleep well, I guess. That's, that's a, we still have a seven-hour time difference, so. Yeah. Bye. Bye.